Hello and thank you for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and resources, we invite you to check us out on the web at www.abetterlifefor.us. I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. How many of you enjoyed the teaching last week? Was it... Was it eye-opening a bit yeah it answered some questions didn't it mm -hmm. it answers questions if you just keep reading the bible you, you'll get your questions answered if you just keep reading the bible i learned that i had to read the bible in spite of what i'd been taught about it <laughs> sometime i had to read it like it said it and not depend on what they told me it meant because if you have in your mind what they told you it meant, then when you read it, that's what it, will, what it will mean again. Good to just try to read it. That's why it's, it's not always good to read your Bible that has been underlined only. Because the Bible that you've underlined, if that's the only one you ever read, then probably all you're ever going to see is what you've underlined. You know, good once in a while to start over with a clean Bible. I'm not saying throw the old one away. I'm just saying... There are times to have that one. There are times to read one that's not marked up just so we can give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to use your intellect to point something out to you so that you can have a fresh, fresh view of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 11. Paul says, and we, we culminated with this on last Wednesday, I am become a fool in glorying. You have compelled me. For I ought to have been commended of you for in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles though I be nothing okay the apostle Paul said you compelled me to say all that foolish stuff that we said in the last chapter and a half you compelled me to talk like fools talk he said when indeed you should be the one commending me rather than me doing it that way and he said, and listen to what he says in the next verse, why they should be the ones commending him. He said, truly the signs of an apostle. Look this up in the Greek, and you know what it actually says? The true signs of an apostle. I love that. The true signs of an apostle, meaning that all that business about the thorn in the flesh and all that business about all he suffered, these are not the true signs. This is how foolish apostles, foolish wannabe apostles talk. Always talking about how they suffer. Always, oh, oh, it's so bad where we are. Oh, pray for us. They're just trying to get money out of you. He said, the true signs, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. There's how you know someone is an apostle. Signs. Wonders, mighty deeds, not how much they've suffered. Glad to have a son-in-law. Praise God. Amen. How are we doing now? Okay now? Amen. So glad to have a son-in-law. I'd, that girl still be on my payroll if I didn't have him. Truly the signs, or the true signs of an apostle. And you saw them, he said. 
ought to be the one talking about the things that you've seen in me, Paul says. I love this. I love this. I love it when people come to me and say, Pastor John, we tell people to come to church because we want them to hear you preach or we want them to hear Pastor Eric preach. That blesses me that I don't have to go around saying, man, you need to listen to what I got to say. I lay my hand on you, you're going to get, you know, filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, that's just unbecoming, I think. You have to talk about yourself that way. Right? We need to talk about what Jesus has done through us, of course. That's what he said. Signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. Yet there is a movement in the body of Christ. <laughs> they call it the restoration of the apostles and prophets. I don't know if you've heard anything about it, but a lot of guys run around calling themselves apostles. And maybe indeed some of them are. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't fight it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't want to fight anything that, that seems to be trying to do something that's scriptural. But I do know, I do know amongst those, <coughs> there are those who are just trying to prove that they're apostles with the wrong stuff. You don't have to prove you're an apostle. You are, are you hearing me? Signs, wonders, mighty deeds. If you come across anybody who tries to make you believe they're an apostle, say, well, signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. Oh, no, 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 not so much that. Not so much that. But we, you know, we believe in the apostles' authority. Oh, okay, well, signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. Show, show your authority over the devil, and then I'll see if you're worthy of my leadership. Huh? Okay. Okay. Verse 13. For what is it wherein you were inferior to other churches, except that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. Now, one of two things is happening here. I'm not real sure about this. He may still be being sarcastic. It may still be, you know. It does sound a bit sarcastic. He may still be. But it could be that he's genuinely repenting. Because remember, it's here where he makes his strongest statement. To this church, he makes his strongest statement about those who preach the word should not be bridled. Remember, we just studied it a few, a few chapters ago. How that it is, it is to the church's good for them to sow seed into those who are preaching the word. Not giving because they've been... They've been led to some sort of compunction through guilt, but because they understand the laws of seed time and harvest. Is this helping you at all? You understand the laws of seed time and harvest, and your money is going to wind up somewhere. Did you know that? Your money is going to line up, uh, uh, to, going to end up somewhere. It's going, you're going to spend that money. Somewhere. Now, my grandfather didn't spend a lot of it. He held on to a whole bunch of it. But, you know, it did go somewhere. Didn't go with him when he died. It went somewhere. Went to his heirs. Yeah. My mother got some of it. I'm thankful. Because I'm eventually going to get that. Yeah. I mean, I don't want it soon. I want my mama to live. You understand. But I'm just saying, that money is transigent. It's transient. It moves. Talking to my brother who is... Always been in real estate, been in real estate many, many years, and I'm talking about a serious one-man show. It's just him and a couple of handymen that he has, you know. But, I mean, at one time, he by himself was running a, a real estate business, owning 54 commercial properties all leased out and 80 homes all leased out, 80 residential properties by himself. I mean, I'm not talking about some great big office, you know, where Sheila works. She works in a great big company, you know. It was just him and a couple of handymen running all this. 
And uh, so, I, I, and it, but I was talking to him one day as we were driving down the road, and, and there were uh, farms up, up in our, where we, we were raised in southern Oklahoma. And he said, yeah, I bought, I bought the Moore place over there. It was an 80-acre farm with an old farmhouse on it. He said, I bought, I bought Alvin Range's place over here, and, and we're driving on it. He said, yeah, I got those, I got those two houses there. And I, you know that six acres that had those three houses on it? I bought those. Tony, you're just buying up the whole county. He said, well, you know, get them cheap. They want to sell them. So I buy them. I said, pretty soon you're going to own everything, aren't you? He said, I've come to learn something, John. The longer I live, you don't ever really own any of this. For two reasons. It's just passing through your hands. Life is so short. It's just passing. This is a man who really wasn't walking with God at the time. He said, just passes through your hands, and you're just a steward for a little while. Come on, can I have a better amen? You're just a steward for a little while. I said, wow, that's, that's kind of profound. He said, and besides that, if you don't pay the taxes on it, you'll find out who owns that land in a, re, in a big hurry. You don't really own it. You've got a deed on it and everything, but you don't own that land if you don't pay the taxes. Verse 14. Behold, the third time I am uh, ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. He's not talking about his sustenance here. He's talking about receiving some great reward for having been there. He said, I will verily gla very gladly rather spend be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Wow. Now he's not talking about some feeling. He's talking about what he will spend for them. Seems like the more I love you and with respect to my commitment to you and more of what I do for you, it seems like the... Unless you, huh? I don't know what that, what makes some folks that way. I've found people that way. Have you found people that way? Seem like the more you pour into them, the worse they get. Huh? I mean, I found people that way. You know, my, my wife, Miss Ann, she was, uh, and I, I, I really am reluctant to say it like I want to say it, <laughs> but I'm going to say it. Uh, she was a, a pretty little rose on a very thorny bush. Huh? I had to reach in there past a whole bunch of stuff from that family to get that little rose. It was worth it, but I was bleeding when it was over. You know what I'm talking about? It's worth it. She's still worth it. But the family had issues. I, I had a I had a I had a had an African American uh, secretary one time a few years ago, and I used that word issues, and she said, "That's not how you say it, Reverend Holler." I said, "How do you say it?" She said, "Issues," something like that. She, she set me straight on that. Issues. And uh, but yeah, yeah, they the family had issues. They they really did, and um, and and many of them still do, and and. It, seemed like when the parents and grandparents in the family would, would try to help the ones that were the most rebellious and mean and wayward and you know, bound for jail and prison, it seemed like the more they poured on them, the worse they got. You know, they would give them $100 bills for Christmas, send my kids $10 bills because they knew they didn't need it. Ann called one day and said, if they were in jail, how much money would you send them? 
I mean, do they get punished because they're, they behave themselves? Is that, is that the deal? See? So that's it. When folks get, the, get a, a, a mindset for disobedience, it doesn't matter what you do for them. Because pouring money into it or pouring your love into it won't fix it. It won't fix it. If they have a mindset that whatever you say is wrong and they're going to do the other thing. How many of you used to be teenagers? You know what I'm talking about. All right. I kind of look at the Corinthian church as the teenagers of the body of Christ in, in Paul's ministry. I mean, they had all the gifts, right? I mean, they had it working, right? We, I mean, that's where we learn our, 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 our most thorough examination and, and, and expose, if you will, of the gifts of the Spirit. We get it. Paul talking to the, to the Corinthian church. But don't forget, that, doesn't, that did not mean that they were deep because he went into depth about the gifts of the Spirit. That doesn't mean that any church is deep because the gifts of the Spirit are working. They're called gifts. <laughs> they're, they're not, you don't work for these things. I love that. They're just, they're, they're, they're just gifts. And, they, and these guys had them. They had them working. But it didn't mean that they were spiritual. It didn't mean they were spiritual. The Ephesian church was the spiritual church. The Ephesian church was the spiritual church. And it's where we get some of our greatest soteria theology, salvation theology, is in that. Ephesian letter. He said, And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. But be it so, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. I, now, now he's being sarcastic. Did I make a gain of you by any of them that I sent to you? When I, when I sent Titus, when I desired Titus, and uh, <coughs> pardon me, and with him sent a brother, did, did Titus make a gain of you? Walked we not in the same spirit? Walked we not in the same steps? Again, think ye that we excuse ourselves unto you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, to your edifying. Now, this is the point. The apostle speaking to the church. And this is really a word for all of us. You know, why don't you make up your mind to just live your life every day doing something to edify somebody else? Let's take Paul's example here. And even people who aren't all that gung-ho about you and what you do. Do you have anybody in your life that's not all that gung-ho about you and what you do? Huh? I have people in my life that are not all that gung-ho about what I do and even what I do for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don does. He works at the jail. <laughs> I'm trying to help you, buddy. <laughs> Whatever you do, learn, learn to do something. Something, some act of kindness to edify somebody else. It is so easy to talk negative. Man, it's sort of in our natural nature just to talk negative. But you build no one up any more than by saying something to them that edifies them. You build no one up any more than by giving them some exhortation, some challenge. Not a negative challenge, but I mean some, some way 
of making them feel like I can rise to that. He wouldn't have said that. She wouldn't have said that to me if I wasn't able. Glory to God. Seek to edify. Verse 20. For I fear, lest when I come I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as you would not. He, he means, I, I'm thinking when I get there, you're not going to be like I want you to be. And right on the other hand, I'm probably not going to be what you want me to be either. That's what he just said. I don't want to get there and be disappointed with what I find so that I have to become the kind of person you don't want to have to deal with. Yeah, that's tough talk. And he already reminded them, signs, wonders, mighty deeds. He already put that back out there just to remind them the kind of supernatural things that happened through his life and ministry. He said, don't make me angry. <laughs> like your grandma used to say, don't make me come over there, young woman. Don't make me come over there, little girl, and snatch you up by the hair of the head. Mm -hmm. For I fear lest when I come you, I won't find you like I want to find you and you won't find me like you want me to find me. Lest there be debates, envyings, wrath, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults. You wouldn't think that would have been in that church that close to the resurrection of Christ. Huh? We're talking 30 years after Jesus rose from the dead. Maybe 20. The greatest revival in the history of the planet is going on. Right at the same time, all that junk's going on. Wow. And you wouldn't think that a church that the Apostle Paul established would have that kind of ugliness in it. I mean, wasn't he perfect? Have wings or something? Talk about all that power that was in him. Huh? Hey, listen, listen. It's always been there. It's always been there. It's, always, it's, just, it's just always been there. We do what we do by faith. Huh? We walk by faith and not by what we see. And I believe you're saved not because of how well you perform. I mean, I know nearly all of you. You, you know me. We don't always perform well. We do what we can. We walk by faith. Not saying there's any presumptions, presumptuous sins going on, but I'm just saying we're just human. Stuff happens to humans, right? I mean, it just happens. Drop that hammer on your toe. You meant to say hallelujah. You meant to. <laughs> you meant to. Huh? Not giving anybody a license, I'm just telling you. I know how to, where you, you know. <laughs> Thinking about that, about that, uh, that kid that had a, had a, a, uh, a lawnmower, you know, and pushing it along and just, just started cussing the thing and kicking it and the preacher rode up on a bicycle and said, boy, boy, don't do that. He said, well, I can't get it started. He said, well, he said, I'm going to take it and throw it away. He said, no, don't throw it away. What do you want for it? He said, I don't know. I don't have a bicycle. He said, well, I'll trade you my bicycle for it. You take the bicycle, I'll take the lawnmower. He said, You've got a deal, preacher. 
And so the preacher gets down there and he starts pulling on that string and can't get the thing started. And he says, hey, boy, hey, buddy, come back here. Hey, this, this lawnmower won't start at all. He said, you've got to cuss at it. The preacher said, uh, 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 I'm a preacher. I, I, I don't even know how to cuss. You just keep pulling on that string. It'll come back to you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, you just think all this wouldn't be in there. <laughs> you think it wouldn't be in that church, but there it is. Unless when I come, unless when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall bewail many which have sinned already. And have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. Wow. You know what Paul is always looking for? And this is what all that God is really looking for us. Is to live a repented life. See, he granted us repentance. You didn't have to, you didn't have to repent to be saved. You had to believe to be saved. And God granted you repentance. He helped you. He, by a gift of His grace, gave you a change of mind. You instantly felt different about sin. I didn't say you instantly stopped. You might. I mean, you know, some things. I mean, cigarette smoking and cussing and things like that just dropped right off me. But, I mean, they every now and then tried to come back. You understand what I'm saying? But He put repentance in our hearts, in our minds, so that we now have control. Even though you might do something that's, that's sinful, you have, you, you have control about how you feel about it. I have never, ever done anything wrong since I've been saved that I didn't instantly feel bad about it. Before I was saved, I could just do one bad thing after another and never give it a second thought. I'm serious. I don't know how you were. <laughs> Shoot, man, as long as I can get away with it, I was okay. <laughs> Yeah, huh? as long as I can get away with it, it's all right. I wasn't one of those that wanted to go confess to everybody. I, you know, no, not me. Mm -mm. Huh? But once I came to the Lord, everything changed. He granted me repentance. You see, he granted you that. When you got born again, the moment you believed on Jesus, granted you this repentant lifestyle. And that's what Paul is saying. He said, but now there are those that are in this church claiming to be saved and may indeed have been saved doing some terrible things. And he said, and they're not repenting. When you're born again and you won't repent, there is just one person responsible for that and there's just one person going to pay for that. Woo. I don't mean to be threatening. I'm just <laughs> reading what the Apostle Paul is writing here. Chapter 13. This is the third time I'm coming to you in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Now I'm going to give you a little word here, a side note. There are indications because of the writing of this book, there are indications that Paul may have written the Corinthians a third letter. This being the actual third one. That there was a second one between 1 Corinthians and second, what we call 2 Corinthians that, that we just don't have. Consequently, we don't miss it, okay? We don't, we don't miss it. I mean, it's what, it is what it is. It didn't make the canon. God didn't preserve it. The Holy Ghost didn't, didn't want us to, 
to have that letter for whatever reason. But we have, we have this one. I'm not saying we don't have all of what the Spirit intended. No, the Holy Spirit's been, been tending the Bible all along. He, he watched over these letters to, so they would come together for us in our New Testament writing. But that's what this is referring to. There's a really good chance you probably studied that in Bible college, Kip. There, there's, a, there's probably, because of some references made here, they're not all directly relating to 1 Corinthians. Sounds like he relates to some other letter that he may have written to them. Okay. The third time I'm coming to you, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time, and being absent now, I write to them which the heretofore have sinned, and to all others, that if I come again, I will not spare. Remember, he's already told them he was an apostle, and the signs of that apostleship were already with him. Signs, wonders, mighty deeds. And now he's talking tough. Listen, this is, this, this is nobody to mess with. This is why I believe that we, again, we, we find things in the writings of Paul that make us understand he, the primacy of his theology. God used him like he used nobody since the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. Just an amazing, an amazing ministry. Verse 3, since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. And this is the point. This is the point of being in ministry. This is the point for any, any one of us being used of God, being used of the Spirit. How it impacts others. The reason the Holy Spirit came into our life the way He did, I mean, you could, you could have gone to heaven without ever speaking in tongues, without ever being filled with the Holy Ghost. You could have gone to heaven believing on the Lord Jesus. The Spirit of God would have rebirthed you, and, and you'd, have never had, you'd have never had the access to the gifts of the Spirit that you do. I mean, you could have been born again and go to heaven. So why did He empower us? Acts 1.8 says it just like this. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. It's as though that was the purpose. You shall be my witnesses both in Judea and Jerusalem and in Ju uh, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. I mean, God gave you the Spirit so that you could minister to others. And Paul's saying, look, when I was with you, I wasn't there for my own benefit. I was there so it would impact you, give you something. Here we are again, following the model of a man who lived his life for others. Praise God. I want to live my life for others. I want to live my life so that people around me are blessed just by being with me. Amen. So that the words that come out of my mouth, they help people. They help them live their lives. I mean, there may be rebuke at times, but for the most part, I just want to live, be able to say the words that cause people to rise up. Amen. Amen. I, I'm bigger than debt. Hallelujah. I mean, I, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Amen. For though he was crucified through weakness, speaking of Jesus, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, that is, in his, in, in his death, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. He said, even though we've been crucified, when we come to you, it's going to be a resurrection morning, boys and girls. You may see us weak, and we may have been weak. Mm-hmm. But don't forget, he didn't stay dead. <laughs> it's a powerful parallel when you think about it. What he's telling them they're in for, if they don't straighten up their act. Come on, look at two people and say, you better straighten up. Amen. Verse 5. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, you're good sports. Amen. Verse 5. Examine yourselves whether you be in... What are we supposed to examine ourselves in? Oh. 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 You're not supposed to be examining yourself whether you be in sin. Where did we ever get this idea that we're supposed to examine ourselves? Make sure there's no hidden sin in your life. I mean, I've heard that my whole life. I'm not examining myself whether I'm in sin or not. I'm supposed to be examining myself whether I'm in faith. <laughs> you examine yourself whether or not you're in faith. In faith. Well, how do you measure yourself against faith? You say... You say, well, let's see. Uh, is there a scale that you can put your faith on and put your problems on the other and see which one? No. You measure yourself by the Word of God. Faith comes one way. By hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Praise God. You measure yourself as to whether or not you're in faith by the Word of God. Well, if it's the Lord's will to heal me, he'll do it. No, 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 no. That is not what the word of the Lord teaches. That's not what the, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that it is the will of God. I have people say to me sometimes, you know, uh, well, you know, I, if the Lord wanted me to speak in tongues, I'd just speak in tongues. I, it'd just be spontaneous. Is it the will of the Lord for you to just on your own decide to pray in your understanding? Well, yeah. So you can just do that when you decide. Well, when Paul said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he said, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. I will pray, I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding. Same thing. Your will's involved in both of them. Amen. 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 The devil can't stop you from speaking in tongues, especially, especially if you see trouble coming. Amen. Amen. My mama prayed, man. My mother prayed. She prayed long prayers. She prayed short prayers. She prayed in the morning. She, I caught her praying oftentimes by her bed, just pouring out tears, pouring out her heart to God. Tears just wet the bed. I remember sitting down beside her one day and I laid my hand down here to look, try to look into her face while she was kneeling praying. And I put my hand on the bed and it was wet from her tears. And my mama prayed. But I love the prayers that she prayed Whenever, whenever she thought there was danger. Like one time we were on an old dirt road in Thackerville's before they paved all the roads. I was just a little bitty kid. And, and she was driving a little fast or something. You know, my mama, she could drive. Crazy driver. She loved to drive fast. That's where I got my lead foot. She'd drive me. And you get on those old dirt roads, and if you got to go a little too fast, it started wobbling, you know, with that back end started fishtailing. You know, it's slammed on the brakes and put her hand in. We, nobody wore seatbelts back then. We were all crazy. Anyway, she, she slammed her hand on my chest. She said, Jesus! You know? And, and the car just came to a stop. Right, right on the, it didn't squeal, but it just stopped on that dirt road. And that was the prayer that saved my life I don't know how many times. <laughs> that, you know, that one word prayer, that she meant every word of it. Found, I'm, I'm glad my mama stayed in faith. Amen. Amen. I mean, he filled in the rest. He, knew, he could read her mind. He knew exactly what she meant. Jesus, save us from this terrible car wreck. Examine yourselves whether you be in faith. Examine yourself whether you're in faith. 
prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you unless you're a bunch of reprobates. Now, wait a minute. He said, if Jesus Christ is not in you, then you're reprobates. You're all just playing church. If Jesus isn't in you, then we're all a bunch of reprobates. He didn't say, he didn't say you can tell by how somebody lives whether or not they're reprobates. He said, look, is Jesus in you or not? Because if he's not, you're reprobates. Is he? And of course, he's trying to get us to say Jesus is in us. He's trying to get us to see that we're in faith and Christ is in us. When we're in faith, we understand Christ is in us. Jesus is in you. Right? He's in you. I don't pray prayers like, oh, Lord, we need a visitation. I don't pray like that. That's like inviting Miss Ann to her house. If we believe the language of the Bible, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You don't invite him. You don't invite him to his temple. I mean, if anybody needs to be invited, it's you. He owns the thing. Come on, can I have a better amen? Woo, he's in us. Unless you're a bunch of reprobates. <laughs> that may just be the first time I use that word in church. Reprobate. But I trust you shall know that we're not reprobates. I hope you know that, he says. Now I pray to God that you do no evil. Not that we should appear approved. Oh, God help us. Every preacher wants to pastor the perfect church. And if I could go anywhere and say, I pastor Cornerstone Worship Center, the church where there's never been anyone who ever committed a sin in our church. Man, would I feel approved. They'd go, how do you do it? I would be the guest. I mean, if I could prove that was true, I'd be the guest speaker at every conference on the planet. Get Holler to come. His church never sins. Hmm? I bet I could get a raise from the board. He says, I pray that you don't sin. He said, but not that we should appear approved. I don't want you to live in holiness so it makes me look good. Are you hearing that? I don't want you to live holy so it'll help my resume somehow. He says, but that you should do that which is honest, even though, even though we, were, we are reprobates, even though we be as reprobates, even though we, if I acted like a reprobate, I still want you to do it because it's the right thing to do. I mean, where did it go in the United States, the idea that we do what's right because it's right? What am I going to get out of it? No, no, it's just the right thing to do. All right, verse 8, for we can do nothing against the truth but for the truth, Paul says, for we are glad when, you, when we are weak and you are strong. And all he's saying, he's not happy about being weak, but he's just saying, if our weakness contrib contributes to your strength, that's what we live for. We're glad if you're strong because of, uh, uh, because of our, our weakness, because we put ourselves out. Okay, and this also we wish, even your perfection. 
Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness, ooh, according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not destruction. The power of God was never meant for destruction. The power of God was always meant for edification. Always meant for edification. You know, did anybody here ever get a spanking as a child? Okay. Whether your parents meant it for your edification or not, that was the purpose for it. That was the purpose for it. It was the purpose for it for me. My mama beat the living daylights out of me. I just wish I'd have gotten more. They're giving me to edification and not to destruction. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. Be with you. Okay, now listen to this. Live in peace and the God of love and peace shall be with you. If you'll live in peace... The God of love and peace will be with you. There's something about your action of faith. Whatever it is you need. Come on, can I have a good amen? It, whatever it is you need, if you'll just begin to live that way by faith, it attracts the God of whatever you need. The I am, I mean, if it's, are you hearing me? If you, if you need healing, why don't you pray for people that need healing? Amen. And you just attract healing if you need if you need money, then why don't you, why don't you give to somebody who needs money so that it'll, you'll attract the God of all wealth and the God of all finances. He said if you'll live in peace, if you'll be peaceable with others, then the God of all love and peace will manifest to you. Huh? What goes around comes around. Amen. You reap what you sow. Okay? Verse 12, greet one another with a holy kiss. And the saints salute you. All the saints salute you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. The grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost. The love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you. That is, grace... Love and fellowship. The word for communion there is, I mean, you know the words for grace and love. Charis or uh, uh, charis is grace, love, agape, and, and uh, communion there is the word koinonia. It means the fellowship of the Spirit. That means two things. I want you to hear this, and I'm finished. The, the fellowship of the Spirit means two things. That you yourself have communion with God's Spirit. You yourself have communion with God's Spirit. I don't know what that does to you, but I know that has blessed my life. The very idea that His Spirit communes with me. I have, I have several best friends. Everybody has a best friend, right? You know what I mean? Most everybody has a best friend. I have several best friends. I've been blessed in life. I have several best friends. But I've got bunches and bunches of friends. But I have one, Miss Ann. Mm-hmm. Right. And she she can get next to me. I want you to take your hand. Take your hand real quick and, and hold it to your face. But don't touch anything. Just don't touch anything. But just hold it real close where you can feel the heat from your hand or it touches those little tiny hairs on your face that you didn't realize were there and wish they weren't. <laughs> Do you know you have that, that hand... That, this is communion. 
communion. We know He's there. Can't always, can't always feel anything, but you, you know He's there. Communion, fellowship, closeness, and intimacy, like your hand is intimate with your face. Huh? Communion with the Spirit. Get it out of your mind once and for all that you need the Holy Spirit to come from heaven and fall on you. He came. He's here. He indwells us. He's with us. You stoke the flames. He's ready. All you got, all you got to do is stir yourself. All you have to do is stir on the inside. He, he's ready to show himself as though he just fell all over again, as though he just fell from heaven, as though there was a Pentecost. I don't even pray for a Pentecost. If I want one, I just, I just get somewhere and start stirring. Have it any time I want it. Praise God. You can have it any time you want it. You can really have it any Well, but, but I've been in services that were so powerful. Yes. And when you're in services that are more powerful than other services, and, and I'll admit, there, there's a greater manifestation sometimes in some services. That's because everybody gets on board and we're all in it together. Uh, when everybody gets on board and we're all in it together, remember they were all in one accord in one place. They weren't just in one place. Church isn't just about being in one place. Church is about being in one accord in one place. Amen. They all got together, and now we, they had this power manifestation. I, I love the, the way it says in Psalm 133. Please turn there, somebody. Psalm 133 and verse 1, and I'm finished. Did I say that already once? I think I did. Read it. Uh, dwell together in harmony and unity. Read on. Oh. The Hebrew says it's like the anointing oil that was poured on Aaron. Oh, oh. See, this is, a, this is an indirect prophecy of what happened at Pentecost. They all came together in unity under the word of Jesus. Saying, wait for me, something's going to happen. Just wait in Jerusalem, something wonderful's going to happen. And did that anointing come? You better believe it came with power. It'll manifest any time when God's people come together in unity and say, you know, uh, I, 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 I want the communion of the Holy Ghost. I mean, it's wonderful to have it when it's just you in your closet, you in your car, you, you, you by yourself. But it's all so powerful when all of us come together and we experience that unity of the Spirit, that communion of the Holy Ghost, the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that communion, praise God, that communion of the family of God in the Holy Ghost. Let's stand upon our feet. Praise God. Why don't you lift your hands and just worship Him a little while? Just lift your hands and praise Him a little while. Thank Him. Thank Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I praise you. I thank you for your blessing upon our lives. Thank you for what you've shown us. Thank you for how you brought us out of darkness and brought us into your marvelous light. I thank you, Lord, my God. I thank you, Lord, tonight for watching over Deb Field. I thank you for touching her life with blessing. Thank you, Lord, for Sophie Grace, that your that you're ministering angels are with her and strengthening her. As she's going through her own little ordeal, I just thank you, Lord, for your grace upon her. Now, everyone here who has needs, I thank you, Lord, that your goodness 
Oh, the communion of the Holy Ghost, the power of God is here. Signs, wonders, miracles, mighty deeds, Lord, are, we have such access to because of the Spirit. We pray for those amongst us here in this congregation, Lord, that, that, that couldn't be here tonight for whatever means, for whatever reasons, Lord. Let the power of the Spirit manifest, show forth your glory in their lives to bring them out of whatever trouble they've they found themselves in tonight, Lord. Pray for those in the jails and the penitentiaries. Let your grace show for them. Hallelujah. Even though they might think we're reprobates. Hallelujah. Even though they might, no matter what they think of us, Lord, let your grace manifest for them. And for those in the body of Christ who, who are steeped in, in sinful activities, Lord, we call for the repentance that is in their hearts already by virtue of their, of their new birth, Lord, to, to come roaring forth to clean up their lives and help them, help them cause there to be changes for them in Jesus' name. Once again, thanks for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. For information about our church, service times, and additional resources, we invite you to check us out on the web at www.abetterlife4.us. God bless you.